from burnout and absolute bloody exhaustion to hangry and depressed, my guest today, guys, double-boarded certified doctor, my girl, Amy Shah, has the right cure to fix those damn freaking cravings. The author of the best-selling book, I'm So Effing Tired, is talking with us today about how to stop being so effing hungry too. Today we talk about when our hunger hormones are completely out of freaking whack, that they're like that fake ass friend trying to convince you that a dress looks good on you, but you know better. Your hunger hormones are the same. They're trying to lead you astray. And we talk about how the hell we identify when you're actually hungry or when you're actually hangry. And the easiest way to test if you're actually hungry or if it's a dopamine hit that has you ready to risk it all on those terrible, crappy, empty calories that you know you don't need and they're only going to beat yourself up over later. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode with my girl, Amy Shaw. Let's dive in right now into the truth around being so effing hungry and how the hell we change that. What the hell are we doing wrong where our hormones are so damn out of whack that we can't manage our stress levels, we can't manage our appetite, we can't manage our overwhelm? And then, yeah, we'll start there. (laughs) I mean, even it affects our relationships because we go to fight with someone. We start an argument because that gives us a burst of dopamine. And in our world, we're addicted to dopamine bursts. That's what gambling is. That's what gaming is. And you want to have that quick dopamine rush. And that's what processed food does for us. And so we're living in this world where we're literally having these big machine gun like releases of dopamine and then the things that are like water gun releases of dopamine like sunshine exercise just a nice chat with a friend you know being in a loving relationship those are like water gun splashes of dopamine and that used to keep us going but now we have all these alternative sources and so i wanted to kind of look into that in this book because i thought wow we don't even realize how much of our mood is being controlled by these external forces. You can actually alter your mood, how you show up in the world by actually changing your inputs, the food you eat, the people you spend time with, the thoughts. I mean, these are concrete things that we can change. Like we can change the dopamine levels, the serotonin levels, the endorphins. I'm with the things that we put into ourselves. Dude, this is so powerful and I really want to go deep today on all of this stuff because when I think about what holds us back, why we're not freaking just loving all of our lives, right? Why we're there's so many of us that are stressed, overwhelmed, starving all the time. It is because we don't understand the foundation of our bodies. We don't yeah. understand the foundation of how we show up every day and then giving ourselves the right tools and tactics so that we can actually go out and have the confidence um, or really like the peace of mind to really be going after that one thing that makes us like our heart sing. I know. It's... I wish more people understood that what you eat influences the gut bacteria. That gut bacteria makes 80 to 90% of your serotonin, 50% of the dopamine of your body, and surprisingly sends signals through four or five different ways that we even know of now to our brain, to our body, and tells us how to feel, what to crave, what to ask for, what our mood should be, all of it. Okay, so I actually want to break all of that down. Like, what are those things? How do we start to listen to it? How do we start to alter it so that we can really feel better? But I really want to start with appetite. 
Because the thing is with appetite, hunger, cravings, all of this, you actually, number one, break out. They're not all the same. We have to think of them differently. That's just a light bulb moment. But really the thing that I want to make sure that we focus on is that in order to be able to really get our hands wrapped around this, we have to know how to approach it because there's different camps. There's the camp that will starve themselves, like reduce their... Mm -hmm. I've heard people talk about fasting, so I'm going to just keep reducing, reducing, reducing. That leads to, if they're not doing it right, their hormones go out of whack, they become moody, snappy, and now we're back to square one. Then there's the other camp, where it's like maybe they don't know what to eat or how to eat. And so now they're just beating themselves up because they're not necessarily seeing results and they're saying, I'm doing all the right things. And now they're beating themselves up because they don't know how to approach food in and of itself. We haven't been taught that. Yeah, we haven't. Nobody's told us that we have appetite hormones, that there's leptin and ghrelin and neuropeptide Y and CCK. I mean, when I learned about all this, I was like, why doesn't everyone know about this? And the funny thing is, the actually the very sad thing is, is that ghrelin levels for women, which is one of our strongest hunger hormones, are elevated because we live in this chronic state of deprivation. And they saw the more deprived you are, the more diet culture you participate in, people that are restricting, their ghrelin levels were 50 times higher. And on baseline, women's ghrelin levels are a little bit higher. And we think it's to protect um, a fetus or protect our bodies from being able to be fertile. And so ghrelin just that alone was so mind-boggling to me. Like, we live in a constant state of hunger, this constant elevated state of ghrelin, because we didn't realize that there are things that we have done in our past. And mostly, it's not our fault. It's because the culture around us makes us that way. But it's making us hungry, where thoughts consume are consumed by food thoughts. Imagine living a life where you're always thinking about your next meal or always thinking about the next food item because your ghrelin levels are so high, you can't even think about anything else. I think so many people live there in that state of their thinking so much about food. Okay, that's beautiful. So let's talk about these different types of um, hunger hormones that you call them, which I love. Um, So ghrelin being one of them. Yes. How do we start to now look at our ghrelin levels? Yeah. Um, How do we identify them and then know where we can navigate and what is causing spikes in ghrelin and how do we, I assume, reduce the amount of ghrelin we have in our... Yeah, so ghrelin is one of our hunger hormones. And, you know, we have leptin, which is something that makes us feel really satiated. Then we have dopamine that makes us crave. So we have all these different things at play. And so what I realized is that a lot of people don't know about dopamine. Dopamine sounds like it's this uh, happiness hormone. Like we hear about like dopamine and love and all this stuff, but really it's our craving hormone. It's the one, it's, you know, you can crave love, um, you can crave food, can crave attention, but it almost rules us. If you will get up off your chair, drive in your car and buy a food because you've been craving it, that's dopamine. But that's also, you know, sometimes that craving can be fulfilled with other things. And so learning these hormones and what we can do. So for example, things like going for a walk outside. Okay, sounds so simple, right? 
You get a little burst of dopamine because you're outdoors. You get this release of this hormone called alpha MSH, which actually helps with your leptin levels. So then you feel more satisfied. If you've ever gone for a sunny walk, you know, you feel more happy. You feel more satisfied. You eat less. So, you know, people used to say, oh, in the summertime, people eat less and they couldn't understand why that was. But partially, Partially, it's because of sunlight. And we spend our days indoors and we're not taking advantage of these hormonal impulses to help us feel more satisfied with our, with not just food, but with our lives in general. This is so fascinating. Okay, so I really want to take each one of these, if that's okay, each one of the hormones, because as you're talking about it, I was like, if we can put names to things... And then start to, because I think big part of it is, at least for myself, I beat myself up a lot, right? Where it's like, oh man, I shouldn't be hungry. Oh, yes. oh damn, you ate that thing and you knew that that's going to make you feel bad. Yes. So I think if we can put start to put names to things like cravings, yes. have ways to identify, oh, is this a craving? Maybe yes. your body isn't needing it. Maybe this is a crutch for something. And then start to pick apart why our body is telling us that we're hungry and then if what we can do in those moments i think will be so freaking powerful so let's actually take um you even said the craving hormone so let's take that one yeah because i think that that one is a um, it's almost like trying to trick us yeah and so many of us may think that it's something that we're doing wrong but it may not be something that we're doing wrong oh dopamine is the strongest molecule of wanting more of something okay so and it works in a way where it creates cravings through different ways so if you are in love okay and you're in a relationship and the guy or gal calls you but doesn't then call you for two weeks and then out of the blue texts you and then you don't hear from them for months but then they come back this intermittent reward schedule lights up our dopamine centers, okay? That's what gambling is. That is you get a reward, a burst of dopamine in an irregular, surprising schedule, and that lights it up. So then you realize, why am I going after this guy who treats me so poorly, but your body is like making you crave that person because of the dopamine. And these people, a lot of these people know that. They know that if they give you a little bit of a dopamine rush and then, you know, ghost you for a while, that they can keep you engaged. And that's what gambling is, right? You play, you play, you you get one win, they time it so that dopamine receptors light up. And that's the same receptors that light up with drugs, with alcohol, and with food. Mm. So one of the ways that you can identify if you have a dopamine response to a food is that when you crave something, you crave it so much so that when you get it, it's almost uncomfortable. Like when you're eating it, you almost feel like, oh my God, this should I be eating this much? Am I going to get this again? It's almost like an uncomfortable slash good feeling. Mm. And then when you put it away, all you keep thinking about is when can I have this again? And that's a great way to know that you have this dopamine draw. And sometimes that's not a great relationship. Like if you have that relationship with that food or alcohol or that drug, 
probably shouldn't be around it all the time.、Mm, that's amazing. And as you were talking, I was like, it really is such a beautiful、uh, correlation between the relationships、yes. that you have with people because in that moment it feels great, but it is so momentary that、um, it doesn't last. And then especially when it comes to food with dopamine rushes. Again, I'm just going to speak for myself because I don't want to generalize. But then I go to beating myself up, the、yeah. guilt and the like. Oh my god! Like you just indulged and you had no control. Yes, and, you know. And then you get into this spark downward spiral. That's dopamine. Dopamine is the molecule that will motivate you to do anything. So if you think about it, the reason dopamine is there, it's there to keep you. Um, healthy and survive through even a war or a、mm. famine. So if the re- people say, well, "Why would the body have this system?" It's because th- thousands of years ago, say you were in a famine, and Lisa, you walked past this tree, and all of a sudden, corner of your eye, you see a bright red fruit on that tree, and you're like, "Oh wait!" And your dopamine receptors are there to be like, "Oh, stop in your tracks." Go get all that fruit, put it into your your clothes or wherever. Bring it back to your people and memorize how you got there and how you'll get there again.、Mm-hmm. That's dopamine. And so, if you think about you know the negative side of that, food companies know this. Baseball games, you know, in the seventies, eighties, and nineties. You know, there was Coke and Pepsi and all the chips and Doritos, and you remember that beautiful moment when you were with your family watching that game and what you were eating during that time. And a lot of us, I know I do, I have memories of food、um, that are so strong that when I see that food, it triggers that memory. Right, yeah, that's dopamine. When you smell the food as、yes. well, that's the crazy one. It takes you all the way back immediately, all the way back. And you think about,、um, you know, the analogy that I just told you for thousands of years ago. It was because you want to remember where that tree with all the fruit is.、Mm. You want to be going back there because that one, that tree, is going to help you survive. Yeah, dude, I love find, thinking through where it comes from because、yeah. even with you saying that, like, I, it makes me kinder to myself. Where it's、yeah. like, nah, no, you know, we're all born to make sure that you just feed yourself. So、yeah. having these things like is just the, you know, it's just. The, The dopamine is like part of what actually kept us alive. Yeah. Same with sex, right? Yeah. It's like let's face it,、yes. orgasms probably exactly、do. that dopamine burst. Yeah. Is what makes you want more of it, and we are meant to be in relationships, procreate exactly. And the problem is, though, people who know how to manipulate that dopamine know. I mean, the whole concept of you know ghosting is that dopamine because <laughs> you get. This dopamine burst when you're with that person, and then they ghost you, and then you're longing、mm. for that dopamine again,、Ooh. and so that's the craving. So really recognizing cravings and these dopamine relationships in your life will help you because maybe you'll say to yourself, you know what, that person's not really a good person. I'm just craving that dopamine rush,、mm-hmm. or you know, I don't really love Kit Kats. Like for me, it was Kit Kats. Really love Kit Kats. I just love the memory that it brings back for me. And you can retrain 
your brain to have new dopamine memories, which is the cool thing. You can actually get gut bacteria, new gut bacteria that produce dopamine towards good things. So that's, I think, the hopeful message here is like I talk about how there are foods that you can eat actually that produce dopamine in your gut and help raise the dopamine levels in your brain through communication so that you can start to say, all right, now that I understand how dopamine works, let me take it into my own hands, save myself, and create a new dopamine response with things that are positive. All right, you're going to take us through how we're going to do that right now. Dude, this is so fun. I'm so excited right now. <laughs> like, I feel like anytime I find a piece of information that I can use to better my life, to improve my life, to never beat myself up, never judge the past, you know, the past Lisa that's shown up that's had cravings that really didn't like treat her body well with food to now go, oh my God, there's new information. And now I can do this to actually make myself more powerful, more confident and really like show up. So I'm so excited. So let's talk about then how we start to control, if you will, our dopamine responses. And I really want to start with the one thing that you wrote in the book that, dude, it's so simple and so freaking powerful when you talk about cravings that is like just from... To acknowledge if it's a craving or not. Yes. Ask yourself right now, do you want a bowl of broccoli? Yes. That is such a... And people have torn this apart on social media. They'll say, oh, this is so... This is, you know, food shaming. You know, if you you want... If you want ice cream, you should have it. Not, you know, not will you have broccoli instead. But the question for a lot of us is, do I really want that ice cream? Am I really hungry Or am I doing it for that dopamine release? And so it's knowledge to ourselves Mm -hmm. to say, okay, would I eat a bowl of my favorite vegetables seasoned in the way I love them, which I love. I love to eat vegetables seasoned with spices. That's my favorite thing in the world. But sometimes I want ice cream. Sometimes I want chocolate. And the way to tell if it's a craving or true hunger is to imagine a big, beautiful plate of vegetables with hummus and you have that in front of you. Are you going to eat that or say, no, I'm full? (laughs) That's the way to tell. I mean, we, some foods evoke the dopamine response and you're not even hungry. Mm-hmm. There are drugs, there are activities that will trigger that dopamine response when you don't even need it. When we had our last conversation, I had told you that a woman's cycle, you know, we cycle our hormones um, through the month. And that last week before your period, a lot of women don't realize that their hormones are changing and their serotonin, which is another happiness hormone, dives. Mm. And you might make decisions about your life. You may make decisions about your relationships. You may make decisions about food based on that low level of serotonin. But when you understand your body, and now I know, okay, the day before my period's gonna come, I'm gonna think my life is shitty. And I'm gonna wanna eat a lot of carbs and sugar to raise my serotonin levels. I have that knowledge. Whether I want end up doing that or not, that's up to me now. But that knowledge is so powerful. Hell yeah. Okay. We definitely <laughs> touch on serotonin yes. as well because that's fascinating. So let's go to how do we start to retrain our dopamine levels to yes. control our dopamine levels. So there is a way to eat 
in order to raise the dopamine through the gut bacteria. So what most people don't realize is that gut bacteria make dopamine. So it's a different dopamine actually than the dopamine in your brain. But what this dopamine does, it sends signals through our vagus nerve, which is a nerve that goes through neurotransmitters that travel to the brain. We know that there's at least four different ways that they communicate. And these dopamine levels in the gut will raise the dopamine levels in the brain. And so we can eat foods. So there are certain foods, high protein foods. So there is an amino acid called tyrosine. Foods high in tyrosine, which there are other foods besides um, high protein foods, but high protein foods are the biggest source of tyrosine. So that can be plant-based or that can be animal-based protein. So you can have cottage cheese or yogurt, especially if it's fermented with um, bacteria in it, that's the best. You can have lean, healthy meats. You can have tofu or nuts. And these are ways to raise your tyrosine levels, which then translates into better dopamine levels in our body. So you can actually eat to change your mood. If you own your own business, when an employee leaves your company, whether on good terms or bad, it can feel, I hate to say it, but it actually can feel personal, like you and you alone are the one to blame. And it actually may even trigger you to lock down your business, not open yourself up and not actually risk trying anyone else. Like you actually would your heart after a bad breakup and avoid looking for that new partner altogether. Well, let's face it, sometimes we can do that with highs as well. And trust me, guys, I've been there. I get the thought of bringing in a new stranger into your business actually fills your heart with more anxiety than it does love and joy. But when you post your jobs on LinkedIn, you can actually feel the confidence that you will find the right person for the right job fast because LinkedIn isn't actually just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion, billion with a B professionals, which makes it the best place to hire because guys, it gives you access to professionals that you actually can't find anywhere else. And so LinkedIn does all that while making the process easier easy and intuitive, which then makes hiring with confidence easy when you have that many quality candidates. And it's so easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get qualified candidates within 24 hours. So post your jobs for free at linkedin.com slash Lisa. That's linkedin.com slash Lisa to post your job for utterly free. And of course, terms and conditions always apply. As an entrepreneur, one of the biggest challenges you will face is the negative voice in your head. You know who I'm talking about. That may be not so small part of you that loudly doubts your abilities to actually pull the things off and make a living from your passion project. But you've got to overcome that negative voice in your head, homie, because I'm telling you, you can do it especially if you use Shopify. Now, Shopify is an all-in-one global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From launching your business to hitting a million dollars, Shopify has got you completely covered. And with all the built-in Magic AI award-winning customer service and the internet's best converting checkout, you have everything you need to shut down the voice of doubt and make all your amazing business dreams a reality. That's exactly why, guys, I love Shopify. So if you want to start growing your business with more customers and sales, shut that negative voice down and prove her wrong that you can do it, Shopify is here for you. So go and sign up for just $1 a month with your trial period at shopify.com slash Lisa 
all lowercase. Again, guys, you can go to shopify.com slash Lisa right now to grow your business no matter where you are and what stage it's in. That's shopify.com slash Lisa. This is fucking fascinating. Okay, you know I'm never just going to stop there. Okay, so do we need to be having this every single day um, as part of our main meal? How much roughly should we be having? Because my audience, yes. they love the fucking tactical yes. as well, right? So it's like, I'm okay, so I'll excited. Tell you. Right? Yeah, like imagine I wake up and okay. what should I eat? Yes, okay. So dopamine, remember, is not only your um, motivation, it's also your drives, right? Mm. So you want to have high dopamine foods in the morning okay. because you want to wake up and you want to have your cottage cheese and you want to be ready to go. You know, you don't want to be having um, a ton of sugary, starchy foods at that time. Mm-hmm. So I usually say have your first meal of the day. And you know, I like that overnight fasting, the circadian style fasting, yeah. get the sunlight. And then your first meal of the day, try not to make it a huge glycemic sugar load. Make it high in tyrosine so that that gut bacteria gets the food it needs to make the dopamine to wake you up, make you alert and motivated and get you going through the day. So it could be a cup of yogurt. It could be a cup of cottage cheese. It could be a few, like a half a cup of nuts. It can be tofu. It can be um, fish. It can be meat. It just has to be something like we always talk about not having a sweet breakfast, but having a savory breakfast. Mm-hmm. And that's where this concept comes from because people notice, oh, the when you know, you have a savory breakfast, a high protein savory breakfast, you have more energy and you have more drive. And it comes, they probably didn't know that there is this dopamine tyrosine link mm. with our gut bacteria that helps that. Yeah, this was that's so fascinating and it's, so powerful. I know that we can take, and ever since I've made that change in my life and the people that I work with, I have seen just countless stories of, yeah, you know, it's so crazy. I get some sunlight in the morning. I have my tyrosine-rich food, and I feel like a million bucks. It's those little things that make the big difference. That's so cool. And that's what I love as well. It's not this big overhaul. Um, But actually, the next follow-up question, is it kind of like going to the gym where it's like if you stop doing it, eventually you end up losing it? You need to be very consistent for this to actually work? Yeah, so our gut bacteria has a very short half-life. So in a study, they took people who had terrible Western diets, standard American diet with, uh, you know, tons of processed food and uh, processed meat and processed sugar. And then they completely rapidly changed them into a very unprocessed, clean diet without a lot of sugar. And they saw little as three or four days the gut bacteria was changing wow. in a positive way. And within a week, two weeks, three weeks, you had a whole new set of bacteria in the microbiome. But it can go the other way. Mm. If you go mm. one week, you know, without eating well, you're probably going to feel the after effects the week later. And you're probably going to have to work on getting that gut bacteria back to the levels that it was. So, you know, with people going on vacation, they come back and you're like, why am I hungry? all the time? Why am I having cravings? Why am I feeling so down? It's because you change the dopamine levels in your gut. It's because you change the environment 
in there. So it's very rapid change, mm. which is cool because you can start to see changes right away. What on earth can we do? Because I'm always just trying to just address the reality of humans and who we are as, you know, basically how we yeah. act. So when we find moments of we're tired, um, I understand that, or, you know, frustrated, down, hungry, yeah, having yeah. exact, doing exactly what you just said is beautiful. The problem is, as humans, we do naturally do the opposite, right? So yes. it's like the more tired we're feeling, the more stressed we're feeling, the more yeah. down or depressed we're feeling, we're not going for the foods that actually will help us get back on track. We are now pushed or drawn towards the things that actually end up keeping us there or like really holding us back. Yeah, so I always think of this thing, the saying that says, motivation follows the action, right? So we sometimes wait to feel motivated, inspired to do something, to go to the gym, to eat healthy. But really, if you think about it from this gut bacterial perspective, once you start to make the changes over three days, four days, five days, now these gut bacteria, they like those foods. They're going to ask you for more. They're going to help you on your journey. You're going to get more motivated to eat that way, to act that way. And similarly with exercise, you force yourself the first couple of days and all of a sudden you start to get the endorphin release. You start to get the dopamine release. You start to crave it. So motivation actually followed the action. Mm -hmm. So when you're feeling down, I always say this to myself, to people I work with, just create, just move in the direction of change. So just go to the gym for a few minutes. Just pick one healthy meal. You'll see as you start to make those decisions, the motivation follows. Yeah, that's so good. But what is the thing that ends up keeping people stuck there though, right? Because like, I so understand there's a massive gap between everything we're saying of knowing and then doing. Yes. And a big part of it is, is that we're just especially, in fact, you say in your book, like as women, we do have a harder time yeah. with addiction to food, with food issues. Yeah. So I'm just going to call a spade a spade, yeah. right? It is such a powerful thing. And it is a place that, you know, so many of us women end up being in because food triggers emotions. And sometimes what we realize as we're growing up is that food is creating good emotions for us, Right. So we eat because it raises our serotonin levels. Like we feel better about ourselves and nothing else we're doing is making us feel better. And so we reach for the one thing we know that will make us feel better. And so that's where food addiction lies is that, you know, you come home after a long day and this happens to all of us. We are exhausted and you just don't know what to do to soothe yourself. Uh, because you're just so tired. You just want to rest. But you know, one thing you can rely on that will always soothe you and make you feel better is that junk food, that cookie, that ice cream, that glass of wine. And so, so many of us know, hey, this works every time. And that's why I'm spreading this knowledge because, Lisa, I think that we are in a state in this world of total, total loss of control of our mood. We are more anxious than ever. One in five adolescents has depression or anxiety and one in 10 adults. This is a massive epidemic. I mean, we have epidemics, but this 
is the real massive epidemic happening right now. And we need to know how to address this. Like we don't understand how to control our mood, how to soothe ourselves, how to create a, a positive dopamine response. We are going to be stuck just with the defaults. And the defaults that are trying to control our mood want us to be addicted to, you know, TikTok, to uh, food, to alcohol, to drugs, to gambling. And we choose those routes because we don't know any better. So when you recognize that, hey, there may be a negative craving here, you can substitute it with positive craving, like positive dopamine releasing foods, positive dopamine releasing activities. So we know, for example, people always say, when you're in a bad mood, exercise. When you're in a bad mood, spend some time with a loved one. When you're in a bad mood, get sunshine. And the reason is, is that when you get a little bit of burst of dopamine and when you recognize that these are options too, then you can make better choices. Because now I know that instead of going deep into my uh, freezer and taking out all the favorite junk food there, I could maybe instead go for a walk outside. Maybe instead I spend some time with my dog or some love, call a loved one. I do something that raises my dopamine levels, my serotonin levels. Like maybe I do something that's really, really nice for someone else. That actually raises our own happiness, right? So knowing this information can help you change your mood and then can help you rewire mm-hmm. so that next time when it happens, you may not go down the negative path. Your mood is under your control. What you crave is under your control. Because I grew up, you know, thinking that what I craved was just, you know, circumstances. My mood it was just based on luck. And, you know, if I wanted a better mood, you know, I hopefully my life will be better and then my mood will be better. I had no idea that you could do things to control your mood, to control your cravings, to feel more in control when you're out of control. Like, that's a powerful thing. Yeah, even as you're saying, right, it's like, oh, that person was mean to me. The other person was really rude. And it's like, let's face it, depending on what mood you're in, that's either going to bother you or literally you probably laughed if you're when you're in a good mood, right? Absolutely. And that's why you need to know, hey, why am I in a bad mood? One, what can I do myself? Mm -hmm. How can I take take control of this situation so that I can be happy. Because we all know, I tell the story all the time, we all know that happiness is a state of mind. I went to the Costa Rican jungle and we went to this very rural area where they were playing soccer, which they call football, right? And I kept asking our tour guide, I said to him, well, do you guys miss that you don't have, you know, iPhones? Do you miss that, you know, you're not able to travel the world? Do you miss that you don't have, um, you know, TV? Do you miss? All? And he goes, yeah, I know about all this stuff. I don't miss it at all. He's like, I got great friends. I work out. I have a great job. I'm, and I kept thinking and it really opened my eyes to think, you know, there's so many people who are so happy around the world without all the stuff. And then there are people who have all the stuff and all the relationship and the money and the power, and they're so unhappy. 
it's really inside. It's your inside. It's how you take this information and use it for yourself. Some people intuitively learn that and other people don't know. I didn't have a roadmap. And when I learned, hey, I can eat foods to boost my dopamine. I can eat foods to boost my serotonin. I can recognize a negative dopamine control and switch it to something positive. I will be happier. Mm. And I can teach things to other people to also get them out of a dark place or a hole where they think that, oh, my life just sucks. And teach them, hey, there are things you can do. Oh, I love that. And in fact, as you were talking, I was like, yeah, we put so much time and energy into getting the perfect house, the perfect career, the perfect, you know, the money, the perfect relationship, blah, blah, blah. And in fact, if we're actually concentrating on putting that time and energy into what can I do to my body? What can I eat? How can I, you know, really fuel myself so that I can feel happy to go after these things? I think that becomes a... um, we're now putting the horse before the car again. Yeah. I mean, the best relationship you can ever have is the relationship with yourself, mm. with your internal body, right? If you understand what makes you happy, what you can do to change your mood from being anxious to flip the switch, mm-hmm. then you have the power. Then you will never be in a bad place. I know now, no matter how bad my life is, no matter what happens to my business, no matter what happens, around me, I know I can control my happiness. And that's a really beautiful thing. Oh, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So um, as we're going through the hormones and how we're really navigating, you've been so beautifully eloquent in being able to break these down. Um, and so we mentioned ghrelin at the beginning. So how on earth do we start to now navigate our ghrelin hormone? How do we, um, I'm going to say manipulate just because I love yeah. that word. Um, but how do we manipulate our ghrelins to make, to make them think that we're full? Okay. Biggest thing is get out of the diet culture. This restriction, all it's doing is making your ghrelin levels rise, making your thoughts get preoccupied with food, and making you always just hungry. And like, what are, you know, what are you hungry for? This is the worst thing about our diet. So when the next time, you know, if someone's watching this, the next time someone says, hey, go on this diet with me, and this diet happens to mean that you don't eat a lot of food and you're restricting yourself and you're not eating anything for many days, you're basically putting yourself in that ghrelin cycle. So you really want to start to be full, start to eat things that actually make you feel full and satisfied. So some things like high volume food, high water foods, foods in their natural state. So one of the biggest tips I give to women is start to change from a processed version of that food and make it at home. Mm. The studies show over and over and over again, no matter how you make it, what ingredients you put in it at home, it is better than the frozen version, than the version you get from the fast food. And processed food does not make you satiated. It's created to keep you hungry, to keep those ghrelin levels high so you would eat more. Yeah. So... Eating foods that are high in water means like vegetables and fruits and things that are in their natural state. In our in their natural state, all of these foods hold a lot of volume, a lot of water. But when you strip down the fiber, you take out the water and you put it in a bag and you know label and make it red and put all these flavors in it, then put cartoon character on the fly. Yes, and then. 
you don't know whether you're full or not. Mm. And your ghrelin levels continue to be high. Your leptin levels continue to be low. And so that's one of the biggest tricks is really to get out of the diet culture. And then the second one is to stop eating so much processed food. Third one is to cook at home. And the fourth one is a one that kind of keep mentioning is the outdoor, the sunlight, the circadian rhythms. We now know that our whole bodies, all of our hormones work with input from the sun. And when you get outdoor, it doesn't need to be sunny, bright and sunny. It just needs to be outdoor light. It signals to our brain to be more satisfied, to have better leptin, to have the alpha, the, raise the alpha MSH, which lowers the ghrelin. So if you're trying to figure out, all right, what can I do today, right now? Go out for a walk every day this week for 20 minutes. Get natural light and see how it changes what you crave and how hungry you are. And for people listening, just to be clear, even if it's like raining, take an umbrella is better than staying indoors, right? Absolutely. So even on an overcast day, you still get more light, 10 times more light than you do indoors. So being outdoors is key. If for people who uh, write to me all the time, because I talk about this all the time on social media, and I say, there are now inexpensive lights called happy lights on Amazon at your local store that mimic sunlight, okay? You hold it 12 inches from your face about 20 minutes a day, and it is as powerful as an SSRI, which is the what? antidepressants that you know we use today. It's called a happy light? Yes. Oh, crap. See, every time you come here, girl, you just blow my mind. I'm so going to be getting one of these happy lights. That's I mean, amazing. I it love rivals this antidepressants this in studies. Bit. You know, seasonal affective disorder, for example, is a huge thing in the wintertime. And people don't realize that, hey, you can go outside even when it's not mm. sunny. You can get a happy light. You can, you know, do things that are going to raise your mood even when the sun is setting early. And for people to really hear how powerful what you're saying is, there were studies done, I think, over people that were doing like night shifts. Yes. And they the, the, the rate of depression in night yes. shift workers was just in freaking sane. Yeah, it was a, the rate of depression when they simulated night shift work went up to about 30%. Ah, and the anxiety w- shot up. And what we realize is our circadian rhythms run our mood and our hormones. Mm-hmm. And guess what? When I was talking about that gut bacteria, they work on circadian rhythms also. So even though our gut bacteria are deep into our bowels, they need circadian rhythm input too. Mm-hmm. So going and getting natural sun is a non-negotiable in my mind for your to be able to do this controlling your mood and your cravings. Get natural light 20 minutes minimum every single day. Oh my God, it's so damn powerful. Like when when I heard that, I was like, wow. Now to ignore the fact if you stay in for too many days, it's like it is a beautiful way of having a uh, like a red flag. Yeah. Right? Where it's yes. like, oh, I've spent two days indoors. Now at least I know I'm going to potentially start to feel X, Y, and Z. Yeah, I feel like, you know, when you understand that, hey, 
uh, my mood is feeling kind of low lately. And now you have all these tools. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm going to eat these foods. I'm going to go get sunlight. I'm going to go exercise. I'm going to surround myself with positive people. Maybe I'm going to not go to that site that keeps bringing me down. Those are the things, those powerful things you could do. I mean, we talked about dopamine uh, promoting foods, but you want to talk about serotonin? Hell yeah. Yeah. So just like you can boost dopamine through your gut bacteria, you can also boost serotonin. And serotonin is our happy hormone. So remember how I told you dopamine is our, you know, make me move and motivated. It's the molecule of more. It's the one that wants you craving more and more. It's the one that keeps you in that bad relationship. It keeps you stuck with that alcohol or that food addiction. Serotonin is your blissed out happy hormone, okay? It's your chill happy hormone. It's the one you want when, you know, you often feel when you're satisfied, when you're cuddling, when you're in love. It's the one you want at the end of the day to relax. Um, That's what you're looking for. So serotonin promoting foods are high in tryptophan. So people think about um, turkey or whatever, but there's many other high tryptophan foods. Again, um, you know, you there's a huge like beans and tofu and nuts and um, tryptophan is found in many, many different foods. And what you want to do is you want to mix the tryptophan foods with a carbohydrate. So a sweet potato or vegetable, even vegetables have carbohydrates, rice or because it helps create more serotonin in your brain. And a lot of people feel like it will help them relax and go to sleep. So if you're trying to time, say you want to time your um, meals and you want to say, all right, what am I going to eat in the morning? You're going to have that dopamine rich, protein rich food in the morning. And then the evening when you want to relax, you want to have the blissed out kind of relaxing, promoting of the melatonin, which also is closely related to serotonin is you want to have the tryptophan uh, rich foods along with carbohydrates so that you feel satisfied. And often that will help you get a better night's sleep. And, and so, the carbs is a satisfied part? Like what if you yes. don't have it, what carbs? What's the difference? So, so carbs is not a necessarily, doesn't mean that it has to be chips or um, crackers. What I mean by carbs is a sweet potato or a, squ- a, a healthy vegetable. I mean, almost everything, beans, all has a little bit of carbs. So the healthy um, carbs will help that tryptophan turn into serotonin. And if you didn't have then the carbs and you just had the tryptophan by itself, would it still have that? It would still, there's still other things you can do. So if you want to eat just, you know, uh, high tryptophan food, you can have high B6 foods. So high B6 foods can also help with that serotonin release. So serotonin often is one of those, um, uh, hormones that you want to feel happiness and kind of that blissed out feeling. And so those foods at the end of the day, those activities at the end of the day, are going to be the ones that you want to be doing. And that's the ones that's going to promote some relaxation and sleep. So what other ones did you say have it? So obviously turkey, because everyone's like, oh, after Thanksgiving. Yes. What are the other nuts? Actually, nuts have tryptophan. Any nuts? Tofu. Yes. Actually, Mm -hmm. nuts in general have um, good tryptophan tofu. There's even weird things like pineapple and, you know, lots of interesting ways to boost your Mm -hmm. serotonin. Um, Cherries. 
Uh, there are, I mean, there are so many cool ways um, that you can kind of boost your, tra- I have a whole like list of things that you could be eating, a comprehensive list of foods that are high in B6, that are high in tryptophan, that you could be eating to raise your serotonin, whether it's the beginning of the day, middle of the day, or end of the day, but when you want to have more of that blissed out feeling. And there are activities that we can be doing to raise our serotonin levels as well. You know, there are so many things like being with positive people. So we don't talk enough about mm. how our mood is controlled by the people we spend time with, mm. right? So we know that saying that you're a, a product of the five people you spend the most time with. Your mood is also a product of the five people you spend the most time with. So if you're around people who are kind of Debbie Downers. Um, your serotonin levels are also going to kind of be lower, right? You're around people who are super happy. You're going to start to be super happy. So you want to remember to boost your serotonin through the people you spend time with, the relationships you have. A lot of people live with relationships, whether it's a romantic relationship, friendships, or family where it's not serving them. It's not serving their mood. It's not serving their life. Yet they feel like, oh, well, well, I'm not allowed to change this. No, you are allowed to change it. You can create a situation that can make you happier Mm. by surrounding yourself with those people. I can't remember if we spoke about this last time, but isn't it now there are studies that are showing that your gut bacteria is also starting to be molded by the people that you hang around with? Yes. This is insane. Yes. It seems like magic fairy tale to me until you start to go, okay, but do you understand that when women hang out with each other enough, right? uh, College roommates, their cycle starts to actually match up. Yes. I can't fucking explain it. Maybe I, you can. Yeah, I know. It's pheromones and it's, uh, there's so much that changes. It's not, I used to think that too. I'm like, this is just woo woo. You know what? The energy of someone <laughs> changes, you know, but then when I saw the science behind it, I'm like, no, you actually can change the microbiome of someone by spending time with them. In fact, they showed that you can be related to someone but your microbiome will still be closer to the people that you spend the most time wow. with than your genetic relative. Dude, that's so powerful. It's so I crazy. love that. Yeah. Because now I'm like, oh, I want to change my, you know, my gut biome. Who yeah. do I need to hang out with? Exactly. You should be thinking yeah. that. You should be like, hey, I'm so feeling powerful. kind of down lately or I'm feeling like my health is not the best or my performance is not the best. Hang out with people who bring it up. Now, of course, there are people who are going to give you different things. There are going to be people who are great at athletics. There's going to be people who are just loving people. There are going to be, there's going to be people who motivate you in different ways, but start surrounding yourself with those people so that you can start to actively change your own microbiome makeup. It's actually called psychobiotics. They are the bacteria that change your psyche. So they've already done studies where um, they give psychobiotic bacteria to people who are anxious or depressed. Mm. And they found that it works best in conjunction with medications right now. We have not found the right milieu to actually completely replace medications. That is what we're working on Mm. and saying, how do we use this to powerfully change people's mood? And so we know now, yes, Fermented food, probiotic food, 
will change your mood in a positive way. So that's something I say to people, game game changer. If you look, there's a whole chapter in here where I talk about the foods that will change your mood, the categories that you want to include every single day, every single week in your diet to actually start to change this Mm -hmm. so that you can be in control. We know if we know psychobiotic bacteria exist and we have proof of it, then why aren't we taking advantage of that? Oh, that is literally my question. Why aren't we? Yeah, like, why aren't we eating these things all the time? Why aren't the smart entrepreneurs who are listening to this saying, oh, yeah, why don't I make more of the stuff that has polyphenols, Mm -hmm. the stuff that has fermented foods? Because now people are going to want to buy that because now they know how to boost their mood. Yeah, God, it's so damn powerful. But going back to I, the, the the connection between who you're surrounding yourself with and then your gut bacteria, like I really want to make sure that people hear how powerful that is yeah. because we very much talk about being around positive people, but we don't necessarily think about how it's actually impacting our physiology so that like we can literally be around these people. And then when we're by ourselves, it still has like a beautiful echo effect, right? Yeah. it Literally, you can transplant the gut bacteria from someone who is really having a lot of mental health issues. And you can transplant that into another person. And that person will get all the mental health problems of the donor. It is that powerful. We've seen it in study after study. They they know now that depression, schizophrenia, anxiety, and positive mood, all of those can differ between the microbiomes. And you can actually transplant that mood from one person to the other without even going near their brain. This is fascinating. So that's why I really want to like now even emphasize more and go a little deeper on the gut bacteria thing because there are foods that can feed the gut that had that then gives your gut a certain bacteria. Yeah. So that's super powerful. I think that that's been very clear. Thank you. You've like laid out a lot of things that we can eat and stuff and things that we can do. But then there's that next step of what we do um, based on what gut bacteria we have. So I've even heard you say, depending on your gut bacteria, there are some people that are going to be way more hungry all the time yes. than people with different gut bacteria. Yes. So now I'm like, oh my God, this is that next added layer of this discussion of like, what can we now start to eat? And what are the things, what are the gut bacteria where it's like, oh, Dr. Amy actually has way more appetite, way more hunger yes. levels because of the bacteria in her gut. That's fascinating. Isn't that crazy? So the way I think about it is that there is these army, these soldiers that live in our body. So they're actually living beings, living beings, and they have personalities, they have needs, and they like certain foods, and they want friends. So friends are like diversity. They want lots of different types of, you know, you can't just have an army with just one type of person. You want the Navy, you want the Air Force, you want a big, big, diverse group to fight what they need to fight. And you want to be healthy, but 97% of Americans are starving their gut bacteria. They don't know, one, that they exist, and they're not feeding it anything that they can eat. Mm -hmm. And so what we're realizing now is that, hey, we've now discovered the science, but the way our diets and lifestyles are structured, we are starving them to death. 
we are creating a such a hostile environment that they're dying. We are taking foods and medications to kill them. And now we're realizing, oh, wait, no wonder our depression rates are skyrocketing. No wonder anxiety is skyrocketing. We can't focus why we have health problems, inflammation. This comes because we've been ravaging this like ecosystem of soldiers that live there for that that are fighting for us that are talking to our immune system and helping you fight bacteria diseases and cancer and we are killing them so what i think we have to understand is okay there are there soldiers that need to eat they need to rest they have preferences and we need to feed them what they want to eat. And if I told you the simple things that they need to survive, you'll be like, I can't believe that 97% of Americans don't even get that. But it's so simple, yet it's not done. So what are the simple things? Yeah, so (laughs) very, very, very simple things that the gut bacteria love. They love fiber. They feel like, um, you know, everything else gets digested but the fiber stays until the lower colon, which is where they live, right? Mm -hmm. So what we did in America and the modern world is we stripped out the fiber to make it easy to digest and make it easy for us to eat foods and get a big dopamine release like, you know, bread and cereals and candies. That all used to be covered in fiber. Fruit is sugar, but it's covered with fiber, Mm -hmm. right? Vegetables can give you that dopamine release, but they are covered in fiber. And so what America has done is made it a fiberless society. And what we're doing is we're eating food-like substances that are like food, but they're devoid of fiber. Mm -hmm. So fiber is number one. Number two is polyphenols. So polyphenols are this amazing chemical that's in foods that makes them brightly colored. So the way I think about polyphenol is like the blueberries and the raspberries and the spices like turmeric and all the things that are really brightly colored naturally, they have polyphenols and polyphenols have magical properties and the gut bacteria love polyphenols. So that's one of their favorite foods. And they love glucosinolates. So glucosinolates are another category. It's all, this is all laid out in the book. Glucosinolates are a category of like broccoli and cabbage. And they have these beautiful sulfur compounds that help us fight off cancer, that help us fight off heart disease, that help us stay lean and healthy. And these things are um, another favorite food for the gut bacteria. Then the gut bacteria love omega-3 fatty acids. So we hear about omega-3 fatty acids in like fish oil, but it's also found in algae oil. And omega-3s are some of the favorite foods. So now we have glucosinolates, polyphenols, fiberful foods, omega-3s. Um, these are all amazing things that the gut bacteria love. And then you add in fermented food and you add in um, certain amino acids, like I said, mm-hmm. like the tyrosine and the tryptophan. The gut bacteria love those things. They get so happy that they start to release dopamine and serotonin. And so you eat a diet full of these things that easily found at the grocery store, yet none of us eat this regularly because when you look at the studies, 97% of people are not eating these foods. So it's simple, Mm. but it's not done. So 
feeding your gut bacteria, keeping them happy, growing more of them, bringing more diversity to it is our way out of this huge epidemic that we've created for ourselves. Dude, that was so damn tactical. I love it. Thank you so much. And one thing I want to um, make sure that we also add to everything you just laid out, like you've just laid out exactly what should ideally be on our plate yeah. so that we can stop um, really just like going after those cravings, never feeling like satiated, like never really feeling satisfied. I love that. The other little tactics that I think go along with that, that you talk in your book that's so powerful is like when you're doing all this, I know a lot of people have issues with like overeating. Yeah. So you even say just the color of your your plate or yes. bowl will make a difference. So now that you've given us all the food that we need to eat, yes. talk to me about the bloody color yes. of the plate and bowl, why that makes a difference. And then again, knowing these things allows us to go, okay, I used to use an orange plate and now I'm going to use a white plate. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, talk to me about that. I think there's so many things we can do. So when you're at a wedding, a buffet, or um, a place where you're going to be choosing from a huge array of foods. It's very easy to kind of go there and just eat everything, right? So one of the tactics that I give to people is choose your food wisely and the order that you're eating it. So they found in studies that when you eat a soup or a salad first, before you go for the dessert or the sweet or the, you know, very, very fatty or processed food, um, you have a better chance of getting those signals, those leptin signals of being satiated. So have your soup, have your salad, relax. Like the food is going to be there, right? And then you have your protein, which is going to start to satisfy that, you know, dopamine receptors. You have um, the fiber from the vegetables, which your gut bacteria loves. And then at the end, you have your sweet dessert or your treat, whether it's a salty treat or sweet treat, wait till the end. And what you do by ordering it that way is you start to tell your brain, hey, we're eating the amino acids that you're eating from the protein-rich food are telling your brain like, ah, I'm satisfied. And so by the time you get to the not-so-healthy food, the processed food that you've been waiting to eat, you won't go crazy and your own body will tell you you're full. Yeah, I love that. Um, So yeah, and, And the plate, they found that people who eat red, like say sauce, red things on a red plate end up eating more. So if you've ever seen color plates, they can change how you actually get portion sizes. So if you're at a place and they have red plates and you're going to be eating pasta, choose a different colored plate to actually see. Maybe it's a process of seeing the differentiation between the color of the Mm. food and the plate. Uh, but it can help you. And also remember the size of your plate matters. And this is something I had heard a long time ago and I really didn't believe it. But the bigger your plate, the more you end up eating because your brain doesn't realize that it's a lot bigger. Um, And so if you want to start to be a little more satiated, start to really think, do I need this humongous plate? Mm. Do I need these humongous portions? Maybe I take a smaller plate. And maybe I do this tactic where I eat the soup first, I eat the salad first and take my time. And I think it helps a lot of people when they're at parties 
and they're at social events to be able to have tactics that they know that can help their own body、mm. give them the right signals. Yeah. So when I read that in your book, I was like, "That's fascinating about the red plate and、yes. then the tomato sauce." And I did wonder if it was because the colors bleed into each other. Yeah, we don't know exactly what happened. It reminds me of a study that I read. Now this is years ago, but it was something about、um, if you have a problem with overeating in general. Um, that blue plates actually help. Yes, and I never really understood why. But to your point, there's no blue foods. Yeah. So maybe now the reason why blue plate helps is because it can't hide anything. Yeah, it can. And they even show like、um, you know drinks, different colors of different drinks. You drink more when it's colored in a certain way, and it just made me think like. Think about all of these things that these companies have been testing, and they know. You know, I'll just give you an example: Doritos, right? It's a little bit salty. It's a little bit sweet. It's a crunchy,、mm-hmm. and it's a little bit like it's got every flavor that you can think of in your mind is in one food,、mm-hmm. and it's made in a way where you can eat the whole bag. And you still won't get that signal from your brain because they know how to manipulate the taste that it's not going to trigger that leptin release, and so, so you end up eating the whole bag and not feeling satisfied. So if we have a dopamine,、uh, like we're, we're looking for that dopamine rush. Depending, on what, do we have like specific dopamine rushes? So would it be like I'm having a dopamine rush for salt? Yes.、I'm, and so now, basically, what Doritos are doing is like, I got you. Yes. So remember, I told you some things. Give you a machine gun release of dopamine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's our machine、yeah. gun. And what they know is, they know that if you get a huge hit, you're more likely to come back for、mm. it. So you know, when you eat an orange,、um, and I tell my kids this all the time because I have two kids. I told you they're teenagers and preteens, and you know, I get it. If someone gives you an orange and you have to peel the orange, you know, it's got all this fiber in it, and you got to eat that. And but it feels good. You eat it, their dopamine receptors light up, right? It's like a little, like little sparkles. When you take an orange soda, no peel, just plain sugar. You drink it,、um, you get a dopamine light show. So then you wonder, like Coke and Pepsi, all these sodas, all these、um, drinks, all these candies. Of course, the child, the next time they're offered. Hey, do you want this orange or do you want this orange soda? What are they going to pick? The survival mechanisms in your body say, "Oh no, no, no! Go for the thing that lit my whole brain up because I like that thing." So that's how strong dopamine can be to training. And so a lot of us, I know myself too, you have these addictions because you started to feel that dopamine rush. And maybe you were so good, you didn't have a lot of alcohol when you were young. You didn't、um, have a lot of drugs, or you've cleaned up your whole life. But this part of your life, you have not cleaned up.、Mm. Your brain still lights up with those same things, and you can't control yourself around it. So that's the power. I'm saying, okay, recognize that. Say, you know, instead, I'm gonna have that orange. I'm gonna have orange. Gonna get that little bit of dopamine rush, and then I'm gonna do a second thing that gives me a little bit of dopamine rush, and keep it going for the whole day, rather than getting that spike and then the crash, and then I'm out trying to get more of it. Yeah, God. And then even as you're saying about the like the orange compared to like the the so the orange soda, that 
I think everyone will be like, yeah, we know it's not the same. But it's the things that people trick you into thinking. Like, this is yeah. freshly squeezed orange yes. juice. So you're like, oh, I'm just, it's the same. Yeah. But what you don't realize is there's a thousand more ingredients in this freshly squeezed orange juice that now is having the negative effect that you're looking for the positive effect. Yeah, the biggest thing I say in the book is to cut down the number of ultra-processed foods. So people are always like, what is an ultra-processed food? It is exactly what you define. It is a food that contains ingredients that could never be recreated in a kitchen. Not your kitchen, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. not anyone's yeah. kitchen. It's got stuff that's only chemicals. If you can't pronounce it, that yeah. should also be another yeah, sign. Yeah, exactly. If you can't get the ingredients mm. to recreate, even if you have to order them from Amazon, exotic places, there's no way you can even ever recreate that chip or that soda or that dessert. That's ultra process and that's the worst kind of food that you could be eating for your long-term happiness it will give you short-term dopamine hits uh serotonin oxytocin but long-term it for every 10 percent increased processed food that you have in your diet this ultra processed food there's a jump of depression by 21 percent whoa for every 21 21%? You are, so what we do is in our lives, uh, most of us are having 60% ultra processed foods and teenagers, adolescents are usually having about 70% ultra processed foods. Our grocery stores are 75% ultra processed. Okay, so when you go in the grocery store, most of the food that's there now is ultra processed. Mm. And so to get around this, to understand the power of, yeah, we can control our mood. It's almost like we're going in an uphill battle. Mm. We're battling against all the forces around us, the video games, the gambling, you know, the, uh, the dating sites, all of these are trying to like light up our brain. And what we're trying to say is, I'm trying to say to you is, Hey, pull back, learn this, and start to control your mood. Start to navigate through that, through those landmines in the grocery store, through the landmines of social media, of society, of these negative people, of these negative um, impulses, because we can get around it once we realize what they are. I love that. And knowing that we can get around it is like, to me, the biggest thing for me because yeah. um, feeling, you know, said it earlier, feeling helpless, hopeless, like nothing can help me. If I'm feeling down, if I'm feeling depressed, like those are really hard places to be. And then feeling lost and not knowing how to get out is really difficult. And if you don't realize what you're doing, that becomes the last piece where it's like, I'm trying everything and it's just not working, right? Like that is the most heartbreaking comment. It's so sad. And then to add to everything you're saying, girl, it's so freaking powerful. The last thing that caught me off guard, which I laugh at myself now, but I'm just going to assume that people are where um, I have also been. I was the person that because I didn't look at ingredients or the actual um, ingredients list of things, I took things as blanket statements. So if it's chicken, it means that it's good for you. If it's yes. not, you know. So A, when I heard, oh, look, low carb is supposed to be good for you. I was like, okay, great. I love orange chicken and fried rice. I just won't eat the fried <sighs> rice. So I kept eating the orange chicken, not realizing it's coated in sugar, yeah. it's deep fried, it's breaded, all of that. So it's the knowledge, the understanding. Yes. That's just my lack of knowledge. 
But there's another piece to it. I remember back when we started Quest Nutrition, we were doing lunch, we were buying lunch for everybody. And because we were a health company, I was like, you've got to buy something healthy. Yeah. So I was getting Subway for everyone and I was eating the chicken every day. <sighs> and I remember someone going, you know, the chicken isn't healthy. And I'm like, it's chicken. Yeah. How can chicken not be healthy? And then I went on their website and you look up ingredients and you look up their chicken. Guys, ingredients to, it may have changed now. This yeah, is 15 yeah, yeah. years ago. The ingredients to chicken was something like 20 different ingredients in just chicken, grilled chicken, one of the ingredients was chicken flavoring. Oh my God. And in that moment, I thought, I've been eating this for six months, thinking and feeling good about myself yeah. that I'm eating something that's going to fuel my body only to recognize I'm not. And you better believe in that moment, I was like, what else have I been doing to myself? Yes. Where now you take people that are listening right now, they're feeling depressed, they're in bad moods, they're snappy, they're irritated yes. all the time, they're overwhelmed. They don't even realize what they're doing. I Yeah, you don't even know what you're doing wrong. Sometimes I tell people, I say, okay, tell me about your sleep. Tell me about your circadian rhythms. Tell me what you're eating in a day. And most people will say, oh, my sleep's not so bad. My diet's not so bad. But when you actually look, because the status quo in the modern world is that we sleep way too late, we eat way too late, we get so little sunlight, and we're eating foods that we think are relatively healthy because it says like, oh, natural flavors, organic, whatever. But they're really ultra processed. And a lot of people that I talk to, they're healthy, but they're eating you know, 80% ultra processed diet. And so when you say, oh, well, you know, that could raise your anxiety and depression levels. And people are like, wait, what? You know, I thought I was eating healthy. Just like you said, you look at that and you're like, wait, I, I thought I was eating like a good frozen mm -hmm. meal, you know, lean cuisine, whatever, all those names. And you look at the, you look at the ingredients and there's almost, it's like food, like substances. It's not even real food. You wouldn't even call it. And so that is what messes with our brains. And even, so if anyone is watching this and saying, you know, I feel like I could be more motivated. I could have a better mood. I could maybe turn this thing around. Start to look at those things. Start to look at your food and see what you're eating on a daily basis. Like, is there something that you could be doing to help those gut bacteria produce happy chemicals? Is there things you could be doing in your life to actually improve your mood yourself? Like I always talk about, like save yourself. You are the princess on the sand waiting for someone to save you. And you are also the savior on the white horse. <laughs> You're that person coming to save yourself. So once you get to that moment where that that knight in shining armor, which is you, um, picks your old self up. That's when your life really starts. I love that analogy. That's so awesome. Um, talk to me about the three, two, one step. Yes. The technique. Okay. So when you are trying to retrain your brain, it's really, really difficult, right? So I talked about this intermittent reward schedule. And the intermittent reward schedule is the way that dopamine... Um, gets, gets, uh, rises in your brain. So remember I told you that guy who, um, texts you back once, but then ghosts you for a, a long period of time. And then you have an amazing interaction with that 
guy and keeps you hooked. Your dopamine levels are skyrocketing. You are craving more of that guy. So if you think about it in the positive realm, okay, I want to change myself. I want to create a new dopamine pathway. Forget that guy, I'm done. I want to do something that's going to make me better and is going to give me a dopamine rush in a positive way. So what you do is you pick three non-consecutive days. You are going to surprise yourself, okay, with a treat, a healthy treat. So maybe this is um, something like a healthy dessert. Maybe it's a positive um, action that you do. You go to the gym and it makes you feel good. Um, Something that makes you feel good, okay? You do it and you reward yourself for that. Like, I'm so happy that I chose a better option. I chose to exercise. So you want three intermittent rewards a week. So you can either ask someone else to say, hey, just pick three days this week and I'm going to reward myself with um, a healthy treat or a healthy exercise or you want to have an intermittent reward. And then for two minutes, sit down and savor it. Sit down and say, you know, I am so glad that I made this right decision. Um, congratulate yourself for doing that, right? And then for 60 seconds, you literally do do the action and know that it's making you feel good. So what if it's a healthy dessert, you're taking your bite and for 60 seconds, all you're doing is just loving the taste of it, loving how it's making you feel. And all of a sudden, you're creating a new neural pathway. Mm. And you keep doing this for a couple of weeks and all of a sudden, now, Lisa, instead of craving that guy who's no good for you, you are craving a healthy treat, a healthy action, a healthy food because you created a new pathway. That was so powerful. I love that so much. When I read that in your book, I was like, oh my God, I need techniques. I need tactics. I need ways of being able to like, okay, I don't have this, the the pathway yet. I don't have the habit yet. Yeah. And so how do I, like, I'm very much, okay, be honest with myself. I don't have the habit. Okay. I know I understand why I want to develop this habit or, you know, the neuro pathway. I understand what I'm trying to do, but I'm not there yet. How do I get there? That's always the thing that I struggle with. Like yeah. give me the tips so that I can't get in my own way when I'm in that emotional moment where I'm feeling overwhelmed and now I'm just fucking going for that cake. I'm thinking, okay, no, Dr. Amy actually said, like, take a breath. When now yes. it's actually just interrupting my current neuro pathways and giving me another way of doing things so that I can rewire it. Yeah, like, so so I wanted to drive this home for you, Lisa, and for anyone who's watching. So you remember when you celebrate, you celebrate yourself for doing something good. What you're telling your brain, you're giving your brain feedback Mm. that this is making me feel good. I'm doing a good thing. It's like rewiring that dopamine pathway so that it's a great celebration. Remember that people always say when you are on the path of something, Say, um, you know, you're trying to um, uh, create a new business. When you get a milestone, a random Mm. milestone, celebrate Mm. it. Not too big. You don't want to go big. You don't want to deplete the dopamine. You don't want to be hungover the next day and say like, oh, like sometimes you celebrate so big, people celebrate so big that they actually 
lose the dopamine、mm. motivation. So you want to celebrate. Tell your close friends, maybe just a few people. Celebrate internally, not too much, not to the not to the level where you're depleting all your dopamine, but you celebrate, and then you use that three, two, one technique where you know when you get that random next. Reward, celebrate it again, and savor it, and spend time really ha- congratulating yourself because what you're doing is you're retraining. And only tell the right people about this. That's what I keep. I want to make sure I I say,、uh, dopamine is one of those things that if too many people know, you know, you, they say don't say the big thing until it happens.、Mm. Um, I would modify it by saying, you know, don't tell. Everyone, your wins, because you want to retrain your body to keep yourself motivated for the next step, for the next thing.、Mm-hmm. And when too many people know, when people are congratulating you, or you're celebrating so big. How are you going to keep going to that next level if you've already depleted all your dopamine at that? Wow, I never thought about like keep over- overdoing your dopamine like that. Wow, that's fascinating. Like they always say, like if you、huh. want to keep going in your life, you want to celebrate, but keep a little bit inside if you want to, you know, get to that next level. That's so not my personality. I'm just like balls to the walls. <laughs> like I'm gonna do it. Let's celebrate all the way. But I actually totally hear what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, I like, celebrate the hunger. Like、yeah. the hunger. Yeah, keep a little little bit actual, in you. Yeah, but- yeah, and don't. You may celebrate to the point where the next day you still feel good. Some people celebrate to the point where the next day they're not motivated to go yeah, back to work. No, I actually hear that. The funny thing is because I'm like that it, just in my business actually,、yeah. where it is like, oh, well, this is a stepping stone. I'm not there yet. Like,、yes. not, if you know where I want to go, yeah, you'll know that I've got another thirty years. Yeah, yeah. So I can't celebrate as much as I want to because I know where I'm trying to go. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Know where yeah. you're trying to go, even with happiness. Know that there's so much more out、mm-hmm. there for you. So celebrate, but know that there's even more coming. I love that,、That's、and even the word celebrate. What、well, you said in the book that literally caught me in my tracks, which I was like, "Wow!" Again, so simple yet so powerful. When it comes to food, and when it comes to like either triggers or emotional connections, you even say like, "Okay, identify. Does this food? Does it immediately? Do you think celebration or guilt?" Yes. Talk to me about that. I know. So that is, I think, one of the most powerful things. Like, I want you. I want everyone watching. I. We want to celebrate. We want to eat great foods. We want to be with great people. We want to have wonderful experiences. If you want to have your alcohol, if you want to go for your Vegas trip, like these dopamine bursts are, it's okay. It's good. It's whatever you choose that makes you happy, but don't do it out of guilt. Ask yourself: Am I am I really celebrating myself, or am I going to feel? Guilty, and it's. Am I doing this out of some kind of negative emotion?、Mm, yeah, that's so powerful. Because again, like I think we can really trip ourselves up, not deliberately meaning to, but we、yeah. can.、Um, and then the other thing that was like groundbreaking for me, and I'd never heard it before, is you talking about body set. So of course, my entire show right is about mindset. It's、yes. about how do we like reframe our minds to be a freaking badass, to like take no shit, to stand up, to be our confident、yeah. self. And then you're like, oh, and hey guys, we've got to talk about body set. I was like, ah. That's such a beautiful way of reframing it. Puts my mind in a very different space, and then now makes me realize that that's really what I need to be doing on this show, right? It's the mind and the body set together. Yeah, the 
I always say that the mind and the body together are the most powerful. They're not two separate things. Well, yeah, we they're, want them to be, but they're not. Yeah, mm-hmm. and our body is just as, um, you know, malleable and capable, and it's completely connected. When we talk about mind-gut connection, it is really so powerful. And you have to, and, you know, I kind of, in the book, take a little bit of a contrarian view on intuitive eating. Mm -hmm. Because I say, you know, in our world, we live in a world where we are constantly bombarded by these messages that are changing our brain, that we're eating things that are lighting up the dopamine, we're doing things that are giving us a serotonin boost. And then you're asking people, hey, just, you know, use your own um, signals, your hunger hormones to decide if you want a food. And I'm like, Wait, but we live in this world that has completely taken that away from us. So now we don't even know if we're hungry, we're craving, we're happy, we're sad. Like, we're just in this, We our signals are so, so hijacked. And so I say, yes, love the idea of intuitive eating. But remember where we're living right now. We're living in a world where someone's trying to hijack your mood, your brain, your attention at all times. Mm -hmm. And so if you're just kind of, oh, well, I'm craving this. Are you really craving this? Um, You know, oh, this makes me happy. Does it really make you happy? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, or did society tell you that this makes you happy and this is what you want? So there's a lot lot in there that um, between the mindset, the body set, the intuitive eating, the real knowing the difference between cravings and hunger. Um, I think that can help a lot of people. My biggest goal is to help people out of this horrible place that so many of us are in. Our mental health is suffering. And not only as, uh, you know, for females, but for the entire world. And we need to have more tools to get our get ourselves out of this place. And I think understanding some of these tools, I hope it helped you. I, I think it even learning about this and researching this really change how I even practice on a daily basis and help others reading that research and learning the facts. It's crazy. What's the biggest thing for you then that's really, because like you've been in this space for so long, right? Like really thinking through what foods do, how they impact us, how we show up. And then I love hearing, right? Like from someone who's been such an expert that you've done so much research, what is that new thing that you feel like had that you've adapted in your life? Because I really do think, right, health, everything we're talking about is evolving. Next year, you're going to come back on, you're going to read another book, and we're going to talk about the new studies that you found. So actually, if you don't mind sharing some of the things that you've like, ah, I found this surprising and this is the kind of the new way of thinking, like intuitive eating, sorry to uh, to interrupt, but like intuitive eating where it was such a big thing and everyone was following that fad, if you will. And now the way you're explaining it is like, oh shit, yes. If my hormones are out of whack, if I'm starving myself and you tell me, hey Lisa, just listen to your body. My my body wants cold stone. Yeah, exactly. Intuitive eating is saying, stuff your face full of sugar. Exactly. And, you know, if you really follow the real intuitive eating, it, they talk about that. They said, you know, take out all this stuff. Yeah. But, but in real life, most people think of it exactly. as this. Exactly, yeah. Um, oh, my my intuition <laughs> is telling me to drive across town oh. and, you know, get that dessert. Um, so the things that really changed for me, Lisa, is I think so profound is that mind and body is not separate. So I used to work on my mindset, my motivation, 
my ability to grow my business, um, to write books, to speak and all that stuff. And then separately, I would work on my body. Like I would go to the gym and, you know, I would try to eat healthy to be muscular, you know, all that stuff. And then when I was doing all the research for this book, I'm like, wait a second. It's not two separate things. Like when I go to the gym, it's helping my mind because when you go to the gym, um, the gut bacteria produce this thing called butyrate, which goes to your brain as anti-inflammatory. And then when you're doing mindset work, that's helping your gut bacteria. That's helping you get more motivated. So it was such a mind-blowing thing to me to say, oh, wait. So when you're eating healthy, when you learn your hunger hormones, when you learn the foods, you're not only making yourself healthier and fitter, but you're making yourself happier. Mm. You're making yourself a better person. You're making yourself a better leader, a better teacher, a better mother, a better friend, a better partner. And to me, I was like, oh my God, I used to think of just food as like, oh, food is for you know muscles and bones. And no, food creates your personality. Food creates your mood. Food creates your reality and vice versa. Mm. Dude, I fucking love that so much. And you really hammer that home in the book, which I love. One other thing that is so important that I think so many, especially women, do suffer with, I thought the same thing, is that, oh, you even just said, when you exercise, it's actually really good for you, right? It's great for your gut bacteria, which then leads to great moods, etc. The problem is a lot of people find that when they exercise, they get more hungry. Yes. So now they're like, what the hell am I going to do? Because... I'm trying to work out to put myself in a better mood so that I start eating healthier. But what ha ends up happening is I just am now starving. And so I go back to going to the uh, old bad behavior of the food that I choose. Yes, absolutely. So a lot of people have this mindset that if they exercise, they'll get over hungry mm -hmm. and then they'll choose the wrong foods. But the studies actually show that the more you exercise and move your body, the better your decisions become over the long run. So if you've ever gone, I always say never miss more than two days, but if you've ever gone more than two days with missing your workout, you'll notice that it changes so much. It changes so much of your body. You know, like, I just feel like if people understand that exercise, um, you know, is not necessarily just about, uh, you know, burning calories. Mm. You know, it's actually doesn't make you hungrier in the long run. It makes you make better decisions. It creates, like I told you, when you exercise, the gut bacteria creates a, um, a metabolite called butyrate, and which is the super metabolite of your body. It goes to your brain, it goes to your body, boosts your brain function. It improves your body's metabolism. So, when you exercise, you think temporarily you'll get hungry because you did do something. But in the long term, it's going to help your hunger hormones. It's going to help make better decisions. And it's going to make you less tired. Mm, I love it. And that's so damn powerful. Like, I didn't believe until I started it. That's it. Like, yeah. we can talk to a blue in the face. But the truth is, once you start, like, even if people at home right now is like, okay, I don't know if I buy into this. Like, that doesn't necessarily make sense. Give it a week. Yeah. Give it a week. Try it for a week and see how you feel. Yeah. Take control. Every single time I tell people about this information, they just feel like 
wow, my mood is amazing. And my health, of course, your health is going to get better when you change your diet. But it's really how you can change your mind Mm. and your body at the same time. That's so magical. Yeah, speaking of the mind with that actually puts together, right, the thing that when you're doing something for yourself, it is sending yourself signals. So when you're going to the gym, it isn't just the act and the gut bacteria, right? It's the signals that you're telling yourself that you're worth it. That you, that you're going to, that right now you're spending time on doing something just for you. And so when you do that, it starts to reinforce an idea of who you are to yourself. Oh my God. I have to tell you a story, Lisa. So I've always loved to work out and I've always had a career. And, but I grew up as a South Asian and there's lots of stereotypes that, uh, were given to me. Oh, what are you going to cook for your family? And what are you going to do? And one day this woman looked at me and she said, don't you feel selfish? And I said, what do you mean? She's like, you know, because you're spending so much time on going to the gym, working on your career, and you're not, you know, spending as much time with your children or family. And I said, wait a second, I never even thought of it that way. Because to me, it makes me a better mother, makes me a better partner, makes me a better doctor, it makes me a better person. But in that moment, I felt like shame. I was like, oh my God, am I selfish? Because I'm doing this. And to your point, no, like it's actually telling yourself you're worth it. Your mind and body are worth it, that you are worthy of a little bit of self-care, that you're worthy. Like when I talked about those gut bacteria, they have needs and you have needs. They are very basic needs. But when you fulfill those needs, you give your body feedback that you care about it, your mind that you care about it. And so... If anyone has gone through that situation, just know that that is so inaccurate and just so horrible how that carries down mm. through the generations. I mean, it, this is not the 1800s. This happened to me like very, pretty recently. <laughs> That's heartbreaking. Dr. Amy, I could speak to you forever, girl. You're so freaking amazing. I'm always feeling like I'm leaving these conversations with tactics and really feeling like I have a better North Star. And so thank you on behalf of myself and everyone at Women of Impact. Um, where can people find your amazing freaking book? I'm so effing tired. And where can they follow you? Oh, thank you so much, Lisa, for having me. I love talking to you. We could talk all day, every day. So my um, book is available everywhere. Books are sold. You can go to my website at amymdwellness.com forward slash book, and you can get all the bonuses with it. And um, you can find me at amymdwellness.com or at fastingmd on Instagram. Guys, guys, as you know, I've been doing this show now for a while. I've all about, I've been all about mindset. And today I've now shifted. I am about mindset and body set. (laughs) And so this book is just so fascinating, so impactful. So go check it out. If you're not following me, follow me at Lisa Billu. And as always, I want to hear from you. What was the one thing that freaking rocked your socks off, guys, in this episode that she shared that is going to change your life today? Drop it in the comments right now. And guys, until next time. Be the hero of your own life. Peace.